my father gave me great advice at the end of 70 to buy a mechanical watch because it was a starting the quartz era and um, the mechanical watches were, were very cheap and available on the flea market. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to Collector's Gene Radio. This is all about diving into the nuances of collecting and ultimately finding out whether or not our guests have what we like to call the collector's gene. If you have the time, please subscribe and leave a review. It truly helps. Thanks a bunch for listening, and please enjoy today's guest on Collector's Gene Radio. Today's guest needs no introduction in the watch world, but if you're not familiar, he's the guy most of us look up to. In fact, he's been the response many times over to my recurrent question to our guests on who they feel is the goat in the collecting world. Our Montanari, aka John Goldberger, has made a name in the industry for his incredible collection, passion, knowledge, collecting philosophies, and his willingness to share the decades worth of learning that he's collected for all of us. Now, he's collected and handled some of the rarest watches in the world, ones that most of us will never have the chance to own, let alone see with our own eyes. He's a photographer at heart and has written some of the greatest books on watches with a second version of his book, Time to Race 2, on the way. And this is all because he wants there to be more information for us to learn from. Now, we, of course, talk about Cartier, our love for the Ralph Lauren Slim Classique, and I even threw a little quiz at him to see if he could tell me about three random watches he's posted amongst his 2,500 Instagram photos. Needless to say, this is a special one. Without further ado, our Montanari, a.k.a. John Goldberger, for Collector's Gene Radio. Our Montanari, a.k.a. John Goldberger, it is an honor to have you on Collector's Gene Radio today. Thank you. So you're considered by most to be one of the greatest collectors amongst many generations. Come on, man. It's a good collector. That's good collect. Well, I guess I think it depends who you ask. You're an author of some of the most respected watch books, and and people truly look up to you in the watch world. It, is that flattering to you? Yeah. And a lot of people know you for using a charcuterie knife to open a split seconds Rolex. That's one of twelve. But oh uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot more to talk about today. It's a very popular knife. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So growing up, you're you're you've mentioned that your parents were were great art collectors. Can you tell me a bit about your parents and who they were and, and what kind of art they were collecting? No, my parents were a great collector about um, uh, classic painting, furniture, and uh, also old uh, ceramics by 17, 15, uh, 15th century. Do you still have any of their art collection? Yeah, yeah. It's still uh, the house of my parents. My parents, they passed away 10 years ago, but uh, I, I still own the house with the full of objects, furniture, painting, everything. Amazing. And your your parents pushed you to kind of be your own collector and, and your your father really wanted you to start collecting watches, right? Yeah, they gave me the fever about collecting. And my father gave me great advice at the end of 70 to buy a mechanical watch because it was uh, starting the quartz era and um, the mechanical watches were, were very cheap and available on the flea market. Uh, and my father gave me great advice to start uh, collecting because I started collecting a gold coin when I was uh, 10, 12 years old. And did you have an immediate love 
for watches or did it take you a while to appreciate them? Immediately. I love watches. <laughs> well, we know that now. For me, it's the best portable collection for a man. What was the first watch you ever bought? Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, I remember well. It was an old gold uh, Rolex chronograph. The reference was a 38, 35. It was a nice chronograph with the Art Deco looks and uh, three counters. And uh, my mother gave me the information about this watch because it was in the Antiquarius in Bologna. It's more Antiquarius. It was selling only you know, furniture or painting. And uh, he purchased this watch for my family. I bought the watch. I still have it in my collection. Amazing. And the price was around the $500, nothing special. Oh, can you imagine? Yeah. And how about the most recent watch you bought? Recently, what I bought, and I forgot because I'm very quiet now. Uh, yeah, I bought two very nice watches in the auction in Monte Carlo with the help of a good friend of mine, who's a good dealer, Davide Parmigiani. There are two watches uh, sold through our Curial auction. It was a one unique rectangular perpetual uh, Ademar Piguet, uh, no perpetual, uh, full calendar moon phase, uh, manufacturing platinum. Another full calendar around Cartier made by Ademar Piguet. And did you have your eyes on those watches to, to bid on them, or did you just see them in the catalog and decide last minute? No, and no big, a great animal, auction animal. I prefer to have the help of uh, other people like a dealer. He purchased the watch for me. How has your taste evolved since you started collecting? I always, I started to love nice watches, nice wearable watch on your wrist. I don't care about the, the brand. I care about the aesthetic of the watch um, and the condition and also the provenance. Let's talk about a brand that is near and dear to both of us, but especially you, and that's uh, Cartier. What is it about Cartier that, that you love so much? Because it's classic watch, uh, especially the time-only watches, uh, with a great design. It also is still contemporary watch on your wrist. They designed the watch from the 20s, 30s, and 40s with an extremely great balance in the, in the case and the dimension. And they are still contemporary. I love the Cartier. For me, are the, the best wearable watch in the world. Couldn't agree more. Do you remember when you first discovered Cartier? I started collecting them in 78. I went to New York. I saw in the flea market and the 26th and 6th and in New York, uh, a nice tank retriever was very expensive. I purchased later this kind of model. And I, the first Cartier bottle was a very simple tank normal from the, from the 40. Were you captivated by Cartier right away? Yeah, yeah, right. And you said the tank normal was the first Cartier you ever bought. Do you still have it? Yeah, sure. All my Cartier are still in my collection. And... You love the tanks in tray. You have a ton of them. Yeah. You did a great video with Waco and Revolution. Yeah. It, does the tanks in tray remain amongst your favorite designs? Yeah, because it was a, created in the in the twenty. Was very thin with a small movement inside, and uh, this curved cases was uh, almost unique. Other brands 
manufacture this kind of curves watch like Patiflip, uh, uh, Movado, uh, Omega, Tissot. But uh, you see the, the design of Cartier is, uh, is perfect. And you see the Cartier is an example of a micro-mechanic. You see the inside, the, the screw, the case, the movement, and the, everything is uh, handmade. They're perfect. Yeah. This is the, the, dial, the dial with the Roman numerals are unique. Yeah, and that and that's what I love about about Cartier is that for the most part their dials have remained very similar with the same design language, but the K shapes have evolved and they've done some some wild stuff which which you absolutely love. And um, I think that's what I love about them most is that they they don't have to change their dials too drastically, but if they you know make things still elegant with great K shapes, it's it's very exciting. Yeah, the the, the Cartier dial is iconic. Is only Cartier. Absolutely. Would you say, as a brand, you collect the most Cartier out of any other brand? No, I, I love four or five brands like uh, Pataflip, Rolex, Longines, and Omega. For me, Longines was a, one of the best uh, manufacturing brands in Switzerland around 30 and 40. They create great chronograph with the Hinaus movement. And uh, with the gray case, and uh, the Longines watches were very technical. All the Hermes and Aviation Corp used the Longines in that period. Can we expect a Cartier book from you in the future? I try to collaborate right now with the Francesca Cartier Brickell to a new book about uh, Cartier London time. Now, lately, I travel in USA to take photos from a private collection, uh, just only to take photo about uh, Cartier London, because the period between 60 and 70 was very creative uh, in Cartier, especially from the London production. Absolutely. Some of the most desirable. Right now, because, you know, with the social media, the people discover... <laughs> Uh, Cartier London, but they are very unique. And also, if you understand the, the period was a swinging London uh, in the UK, and the UK was a very advanced country. Uh, everybody traveled to London, was the central capital city of the of the world for music, for the design, for cars, for mo- uh, movie, and for watches by Cartier. And you also collect rare books. And if I understand correctly, you have arguably one of the, the rarest watch books of all time, which is the J.P. Morgan watch collection book. Is that correct? Yeah, yes. I put it in the Sotheby auction in New York. Because for me, uh, Pierpoint Morgan was uh, one of the best, uh, biggest collector in the past. More than collectors, I amassed a lot of items, my watches, painting, furniture, you know, he, he was very healthy and rich and came to Europe to he bought everything. Was this book an inspiration for you to write some of your own? Yeah, not just inspiration, but I like the binding, the illustration and color illustration. I like the passion of the of the collector behind this book. You know, he sure. made a few copies just for friends and collectors. Have any of his watches ever come up to auction? Yeah, a few. Did you have the chance to bid? No, because this kind of watch for me are too old for my taste. Okay. Because I started collect, 
collect water from the 20 to contemporary times. Uh, no big passion of uh, about the you know old uh, clocks and dex watch and hockey watch. They are very important. The, the history of horology, but um, <laughs> have you had a chance to visit his museum? No, I just visited long time ago the Time Museum in uh, Rochester. What was there now is they closed and they sold everything in the auction in Sotheby in the two thousand something. Yeah, next time in, you're in New York, you should go to um, his library in, in Manhattan. Yeah, so I saw the library. I took the photo in the library because I'm a big fan of the architectural photo. I went to yes. take a photo of the interior, so it's a great library. That fireplace is like two times the size of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could fit in there. <laughs> Did you ever consider making a book similar to that, that encapsulates your whole collection? I think about it, but no, this kind of... Uh, quality it's very hard to uh, to reproduce you'd have a lot of buyers yeah but uh, i don't have a, a collection I'm so excited to take up to make a book yeah i think i think you'd be surprised how many people disagree <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. An- another brand we both love is is ralph lauren and before we were chatting today i sent you a text wearing my ralph lauren watch in in honor of of us recording today. Yeah, because uh, you purchased also the Slim Classic, no? Yes, uh, mine's in white gold. I believe you have the platinum. Yes, the lar- the, I have a larger size on platinum. I bought uh, almost almost eight years ago, 10 years ago. Yeah, ama- amazing watch. You know, the, the Ralph Lauren watch collection is very interesting because I know well the designer, the designer Italian, his name is Giampiero Bodino, helped to uh, design all the watches in the Florin portfolio. And also the, the manufacturing is located in Switzerland. They are made from Piaget or Piaget Lecoutre. It's a great brand. Absolutely. Yeah. Why don't you think it gets the love it deserves? You know, the people doesn't like to have, a, I don't like to ta- say a tailor, but a, as a fashion designer on the dial. Yeah. But in the past, Gucci made the good watches. Now they are very popular. But uh, other company they tried to manufacture watches like Armani, Dolce Gabbana, and Versace was no, didn't have a great success. But there are Florian watches, are great watches. Especially, I like the last one. They, they launched a very nice uh, uh, silver tonneau case with the all engraved by hand, with the nice leather, uh, leather. Yeah, band. the Western collection. Yeah, yeah, I like this kind of watch. Do you own any from the Western collection? No, no, I, I like to purchase one. Now I'm curious to find one with a good price. I know they're they're pricey. Yeah, very pricey. I think one just came up for sale for like twenty-five or thirty-five thousand. Is a insane price. It's crazy. But it's a great dial, great case. And great looking watch. Yeah, very different. Yeah. Very, very Ralph, as they would say. Yeah, yeah, right. What do you like about the Slim Classic? You know, obviously it's a great movement and, and whatnot, but. No, I like because I'm a big fan of the small watches and big watches. This is big watches, oversized watches, but with the Cartier look. You see the, the dial is very Cartier. 
and also the finish of the case and the dial is great with old guilloche on the on the bezel uh, all two kind of uh, guilloche finishing on the dial it's great yeah. well done nobody's really making cases like this right now yeah it's, uh, because i think the idea came from a, a pocket watch uh, that were floor and boat in the in the Sotby auction and uh, he loved the the finishing on the bezel, this kind of engraving bezel, and uh, Giampiero Bodini tried to reproduce uh, this kind of finishing on this watch. One Ralph Lauren watch that I have in my collection that I was surprised not to see in yours, um, unless I'm wrong, is a stirrup watch. Yeah, stirrup is very nice, but I prefer the original one, the, the Cartier Cloche. Yes. <laughs> the, the idea came from there, and uh, I have a very old... Uh, Cartier cloth from the 30 in platinum. And, uh, but you know, they made a good job for the contemporary watch. Yeah. I have the small one in rose gold. And the reason I got it is because the cloches are, are so out of reach. Mm-hmm. And um, I love that design. And, and uh, it, it, it brings me a lot of joy. Yeah. But the problem also, I think they broke the, the partnership in the Richmond group between Ralph Lauren and the other company to manufacture the watch. Mm. This is the reason no, no. they start to launch new models. I see. I wonder if that's because maybe it didn't sell that well or... Uh, who knows? Because, you know, the, the watch, I remember, were available only in the Florence store. And uh, there are not so many at Florence store around the world, you know. Right. I think uh, was uh, they were very popular in Japan, in the States. No lot in Europe. In Europe are very, you know, conservative buyer. Sure. They prefer to invest money in a good brand, you know. Do you like uh, the automotive collection from Ralph Lauren? Yeah, it's a great collection. Yeah, with the with the wood, the Burlwood bezel modeled after his Bugatti. Yeah, because I think the idea, the idea came from a, a Bugatti dashboard, I think. Yeah, I was in a Ralph Lauren store here the other day, and they and they had one, and I just I love that watch. I think I think it could be very delicate to wear this kind of watch with this kind of wood ring. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to hit it. Yeah, right. <laughs> so you, you've seen a lot of watches, and uh, whether they be in catalogs or in person and auction previews and from dealers, are there? Any vintage watches that you still haven't seen in person that you wish you could? No, I saw so many. <laughs> uh, because I, I participated to a whole auction around the world from the Haiti, you know. I know well all the dealer. Just one watch, I just saw the photo in the Cartier book. It's a black and white photo of a, a strange rectangular Cartier made for the uh, Pasha of Marrakesh. Is a, I think, the yellow gold with the old green, blue, red enamel, uh, I think, uh, Arabic ornamental on the case. Wow. Could be nice to find it, but I think it's unique. Be very nice to find. <laughs> yeah. You recently took a very viral photo of Tyler, the creator, wearing a Cartier crash. Uh, yeah, I was in, in, in Monaco for the auction. Uh, he, pers- he participated in the auction. Uh, it was a Monaco legend auction. And 
he was sitting close to me. Uh, we started talking about Cartier. He has a big passion about Cartier, and uh, I took the photo about uh, his crash on the wrist. That's it. Did you know who he was, and did he know who you were? In the beginning, no. A friend of mine uh, told me, this is a very important rapper. I went to the <laughs> I checked, uh, because I checked the name he got. And uh, after that, I, I found the real name, Tyler, of the, of the story. And also, I went on the my iPad to see all the, is, is uh, how do you call the movie, video clip he made in the past. Very interesting. Very. He's a very creative person. Very. He's, he reminds me a lot of um, Pharrell, who I'm not sure if you're familiar with, but Pharrell is very interesting too. Yeah, yeah no, no. Pharrell is a great artist. You know, Pharrell uh, designed also nice Adamar Piguet. Absolutely. He uh, designed a very nice astronaut helmet in the Royal Oak case. Your collection has such a wide range and variety, and I'm, I'm curious to know what attracts you first. Is it, is it the case shape? Dial, provenance? No, the, the aesthetics, the quality, and the provenance. And do they have to have all three for you to go for it? Uh, the rarity. And if you're going to purchase a vintage watch, does it have to have all of those attributes for you? Yeah. So you're, you're at this point, you're only collecting things that, one, attract you, two, have great provenance and, and condition and rarity. Right. What's your favorite period of watches and what's your least favorite? Mm, favorite period for me is the 50 and the 60 because many brands launched a new idea in the, on the market, especially, especially Rolex and Omega, they invented the tool watches, you know, the, around the, the end of 50, around the 57, 58, they launched the Milgauss, the GMT, and uh, Daytona and Omega, the Speedmaster, the Railmaster, and the Seamaster, the first tool watches with mass production. You've posted a lot of photos of your collection on Instagram, which has been amazing for all of us to see and, and soak in. You know, the reason is very simple, because I like to take photo of uh, some unusual watch. Because uh, on Instagram and on other social media, there are too many banal and common watches. I try to, to show something different. And you do. And I think that you're the reason a lot of people have, have gotten into brands like Cartier and uh, Vintage Omega and Longines. I mean, your, your books have definitely helped people understand the importance of those brands a lot. I mean, I, I, I am a collector of your books and I, I have them sitting behind me on my shelf if I can find them. <laughs> you know, the problem of the books, they are getting old. And the books are always old. Uh, can you think maybe uh, to find uh, something on the, on the website? Is there a decent portion of your collection that we haven't seen? Yeah, <laughs> a lot. Uh, the, now, now, now everybody's going to be wondering what, what kind of Cartiers we haven't seen yet. No, no, there are so many. <laughs> they are very common. I have two questions from our, our friend Rich Forden over at Hodenki that he wanted me to ask you. Yeah. The first question is, is he wanted to know if you would ever publish another book in regards to your street photography. I would love to make another book about uh, street photography, but uh, 
I don't have enough time to travel around the world to take photos. <laughs> got a, you got a company to run and watches to collect. Yeah, but uh, maybe when I will be retired, I will travel again around the world to take photos. My first passion. First passion was the photos, second watches. And was Kodachrome the first book that you, you put out? Yeah, it was a very personal book for friends. I made just a print, uh, print just uh, I think one thousand copy, and uh, it sold out. Uh, many friends asked me to have a copy of the book, but I don't have any more. Did you ever think about putting it back into production? No, I don't. I don't like to reprint the books. I like to make something new. Everybody asked me to reprint the famous uh, one hundred superlative Rolex watches, but. Uh, prefer to launch a new book. Yeah. You know, I, I, I have that book and... It's very rare. It's very, it's very hard to find it. Very hard to find. So <laughs> you're, you're going to think this is funny, but I couldn't find the English version, so I bought yeah. the German version. <laughs> no, I printed, the, I don't know, many, 3,000 copies in English, 1,000 in German, 2,500 in Italian, and also 1,000 French, but I'm gone. Wow, that's amazing that that all those copies have sold out. Yeah, I, my idea was to produce a second one. I'm working on it. I took uh, many photos of other 100 rare Rolex watches, but I'm looking for something new, something different, and it's not finished yet. Well, I just figured I would buy the German version, and then I can learn some some watch terms in German. So. Yeah. It's it's a it's a fantastic book. I I have quite a few of your books behind me. I have the Steel Patek Philippe books, I have the Longines books, I have the Omega books and and the Rolex book, and I have maybe my favorite book that I have is the book you did with your good friend Alessandro Scorzi. Ah uh, yeah, the Time to War. Now I I launched the second uh, version of the Time to Race part 2. I already finished and uh, and it will be available on the Odin Key Shop next month. Yes, it's it's a it's a very sought after book. The first one was amazing. I have it sitting as well behind me, and um, I received that one as a gift, which was very nice. And um, I, I recommend to everybody to to go out and check your books out. Okay, thank you. The second question from Rich he he wanted to know if you collect fashion in a similar manner to how you collect watches? No, I don't. I not be collector. I like, I love the, you know, the vintage uh, denim, the vintage military clothes. And uh, it also a big fan of the tailor-made clothes, but uh, no big fan of the, I'm not big uh, collector of, uh, you know, clothes. And you like double RL as well, right? Yeah. yeah I love double uh, RL because, uh, I think uh, this brand uh, showed the uh, Americana, you know, the American dreams. So I went on your Instagram and I, I picked three random watches that were attractive to me. And I'm hoping that you could tell me info about them, maybe where, when you found them, if you can remember. Okay. Now, just a moment, I'll open Instagram. Maybe I, I, don't, I don't have a great memory. Eh? I'm ready. <laughs> well, I, I picked some some popular ones, so I'm sure you'll you'll remember. But the octagonal allongé by by Cartier London around 1970. Oh yeah, 
I bought I bought it in a Monaco Legend auction uh, almost one year ago. It's very rare. I saw just two, three examples around the world. Yeah, I was going to ask. I, I can't imagine that there's many examples that have ever surfaced of this watch. Yeah. Well, one in the auction a long time ago in, in, in Geneva, another one in London. Only two examples known. It's an amazing watch. I mean, it, it's it's truly a perfect example of, of what Cartier represents, I think. Especially Cartier London. You see the, the dial with the big Roman numerals, 12 and 6, and the, the case is incredible. How about the white gold and wood Bulgari by Gerald Genta, circa 1979? Oh, yeah. <laughs> this was I presented to my wife. <laughs> I love that watch. Yeah. And now I... I meet him next weekend in Bulgar Rome because they asked me to write an uh, introduction of the new book about uh, uh, Bulgari time. And uh, this watch was uh, one of the watch I start to to write about uh, uh, Bulgari because Gerald Genta met uh, uh, Gianni Bulgari in the end of 70. He approached him to manufacture some watch for Bulgari. And uh, from the, his creative mind, come out the famous Bulgari, Bulgari watch, you know, with the Bulgari Rome, Bulgari, Bulgari name on the bezel. The wooden Bulgari watch is very rare. Yeah, so another example with the with the bracelet, another one around in the two years ago in the Miami, in the convention of a, a Miami antique show. Was manufactured by, from uh, the company of Gerald Gent in Switzerland for Bulgari. Amazing. It's very flattering that they asked you to to write the introduction for their new book. Yeah, I like to start from the 70 because before Bulgari was selling just uh, Ademar Piguet or Vacheron watches with the Bulgari signature on the dial and also the Serpenti with the Bulgari name on the, on the dial. I think they're one of the first watches manufactured specifically for Bulgari. Yeah, it's do you know how many of those they made? No, I really don't know. Maybe 20 pieces, maybe. I don't know. Wow. Because, you know, Bulgari was selling watch only in his boutique in, in Rome. After that start opened in New York, the end of 70, it was no great place to sell the watches. I've, I've only seen yours and one other of the, the white gold and, and wood Bulgari watches, and it's amazing. Yeah, the exclusivity of the Bulgari was like uh, Cartier. You know, if you want to buy a Cartier in the 20 to 30, it would take uh, the boat, the train, on the flight to go to Paris, to New York, to London to buy watches, and Bulgari just to go to Rome to purchase jewelry or watches in their boutique. Did you ever have the opportunity to do that? No, no. The first flight I made in my life was... Uh, in the 69, with the, my parents, they brought me to London, was the 69, I remember. And uh, my mother, I went with my mother to see the, I remember the, the Cartier window in Bond Street. And uh, I was very young, I was a 10 year, no, 12 years ago, 12 years old. And uh, I understood the exclusivity of that place. Yeah, special place. Yeah. Did your parents like watches too? No, a lot. My my father was a big fan of uh, Omega, and uh, my mother 
was uh, she wasn't a big fan of watches. She never wore a watch. Wasn't as common back then. Yeah. How about the platinum Cartier cloche? Only two examples made with Arabic numerals. Uh, you have number two of two, circa 1996 Paris. Yeah. I purchased the uh, 10 years ago from a dealer. It was a special order. Uh, I think they made in 1996 or 1997 for the Cartier auction at Antiquarum in Geneva. Man, uh, Cartier manufactured special was for, the, for that auction. Some uh, special uh, uh, jump power with a crown of 12, some um, special uh, Sintre with a uh, dual time, dual face dial. And uh, jump power, cloche, and a few watches. Amazing. What do you think of the new cloche that came out a couple of years ago? I don't like it a lot. It's too big and too square. It's a nice watch. I prefer the old one. I prefer the, the collection. <laughs> me, me too. In the 90 private, uh, the collection private, Cartier was a very well made collection, and they reproduced exactly. The model from the 20, from the 30. They made a great, great job with the Sintre, Cloche, the Jump Power. With the, they make only a little mistake with the crash. They make a smaller compared to the original one from London. But the other watch was a perfect. If your parents could see your collection now, what, what do you think they would say? Bravo. <laughs> Does it? I think everybody says that. <laughs> my parents never saw my collection. They knew that I was buying watches, but uh, never saw my collection the safe. All right, I don't want to take too much more of your time, so let's finish up here with the, the collector's gene rundown. Okay, tell me. What's the one that got away? Ah, yeah. was during the auction in Christie at Geneva in 2006. was a unique watch made by Schulz, was a New York jury, and uh, he manufactured in the 30, the most complicated wristwatch in the world for that period, more than some Patek, more than some Vacher. It was a tonneau platinum case with the repeating minute repeating, chronograph, and perpetual calendar. They used the same movement, a Bosch from uh, Pate Philippe, with a Victorian Piquet Bosch, and uh, for that period, it was a $10,000 watch in the 30. Imagine. Wow. I don't think anything was $10,000 back then. And, you know, I think that I think a perpetual calculation price would be about uh, $1,500, $2,000. And uh, it was a special made for James Schulz, the owner of the company. And after that, the James Schulz sold the watch and after the the Second War, uh, forty-six, to uh, Harry Topping, the big uh, American investor and sportsman. He was the husband of Lana Turner. After years, uh, came out in the auction in, in Sotheby Night or Christie in, uh, in the ninety, and in two thousand six, came out for the last time. And it was a one million dollar watch. Huh? Wow, it was a lot in my pocket. I lost this watch. For me, one of my holy grail watch. Do you know who bought it? Yeah. 
was bought from a good friend of mine, and now is uh, is another collection, very important collection. Do you get to see it at least every now and then? Uh, yeah, so lately, around five years ago, I tried to approach him to purchase it, but it was impossible because the, the price was very high. Yes, <laughs> I'm sure. But it's very incredible watch. Platinum, chronograph, perpetual, minute repeating. Amazing. Yeah. Manufacturing the 30, 34. Yeah, I can't imagine being $10,000 in the 30s. Also, there is a, was an article of Life magazine in the 40. Uh, they made a little page with the, the most expensive watch in that period. And the shoes was the most expensive compared to Patek or other watches. What's the on-deck circle for you? So what's, what's next in your collecting? Is there maybe something you have your eye on? No. Right now, my policy is to reduce my collection, to improve the quality, to improve the rarity and to have a less number of watches. I'm still looking for nice watches. I don't have any any watch on, on, on target. What's the unobtainable? Maybe one you can't have because it's too expensive or it's in a museum now? Yeah. It was, it was, uh, also, this watch came out in, uh, I think, 2000, uh, I don't remember, the Christie auction. is a is an oversized Chronograph split second by Pater Philippe is a reference 25112, uh, with the black dial, was purchased from the Pater Philippe Museum. If you go on the Pater Philippe Museum, you see a window with the, that watch on it. Yeah, it's amazing. I love the, you know, the oversized pilot's watch. And this is very similar to the, my 4113 Rolex Patek split second, no, Rolex split second. The famous one. Yeah, it's very similar. But this is a, in gold with a black dial made by Patek, a unique sample. And so the, the Patek Philippe Museum purchased it? Yeah, almost 20, 20, 24 years ago. How about the page one rewrite? So if you could collect one thing besides watches and the other antiquities and, and books that you collect, what would you collect? Just one watch. Just, uh, just one watch? <laughs> yeah, just one watch. Just uh, maybe a Petit Philippe Chronograph Perpetual reference 1518 because it's a very simple watch. It was the first Perpetual Chronograph launch in the 40 and uh, it's a conic watch. You know, the collector starting collecting what to buy this kind of watch. If you could collect it in, in any metal, what would you choose? Uh, <laughs> steel. Steel was impossible to, to say. They made only four <laughs> yes. pieces and they're already located in the great collection. Yeah, the, that watch in steel is pretty perfect. Yeah, but just the one perfect 1518 to put on the wrist, does it. The only one watch. Yeah, it's all you need. Only one denim pants, one uh, chambray shirt. Okay. Are you perfect? That's your uh, personal sprezzatura. Yeah, right. I'm curious for your answer for this next question because a lot of the guests that I have had on have said that you are the answer to this question for them. So who is the goat for you? Who do you look up to in the collecting world? I don't see a great example in the collectors. 
Uh, I remember just one collector was a lady in the 90 in Milano. She amassed uh, a great collection of everything. Great Patek, Basheron, Rolex, clocks and pocket watch by Breguet, Cartier. She built a great collection. And uh, unfortunately, she passed away and all the collection was disappeared on the market. Oh, that's unfortunate. But, you know, I don't see right now a great collector on the market. What I like. Because, you know, the, all the best collectors are focused on, the, you know, the big, big animals. So sure. Very important Patek, very important Basher, and does it. And Rolex. Did you look up to your parents as great collectors when you started collecting? No. For me, my parents, you know, no, from my point of view, no great collector because they didn't focus well in some period. They didn't focus well on the quality and the rarity. You ship, they prefer to amass things to put in their houses. Sure, <laughs> to make it look good. They fill up the house with the things, does it? Do you enjoy the hunt more or the ownership? No, always always love hunting. I don't care about the tone I watch. I put a, one day on the wrist and does it, uh, I put uh, the watch in the safe. I take a photo, does it. It doesn't bother you that a lot of the watches are, are in the safe and you don't get to wear them often? No, no, no. I don't care because regularly I'm wearing very simple watch. For the summertime I wore the old bronze Tudor, Right now, I'm wearing uh, a Bulgari Octo Finissimo special edition by Shijima. And that's it. Yep. Very simple watch, time only on the wrist. And I don't care uh, important watch on the, my wrist. As long as you own it and you get to go look at it sometimes, that's perfect for you. Yeah, right. Sometimes I, I wore Casio, you know, Swatch. I don't care. Most importantly, do you feel that you were born with the collector's gene? Yeah, I think so. They, my parents give you this kind of illness. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I figured your answer would be yes. Yes. <laughs> Arrow, such a pleasure to have you on today. It, it, it truly means a lot to me. I know I personally look up to you in the collecting world and in watches, and I appreciate all all the books that you've written and everything that you've you've posted and all the knowledge that you've shared it it's uh, truly a pleasure to talk to you welcome Cameron and thank to to hear my answers absolutely maybe we'll do this again soon and when you uh, put some new books out okay great all right Ara take care bye bye to everybody ciao all right that does it for this episode thank you all for listening to Collector's Gene Radio.